no agency, no freelancer, no consultant will help you find product market fit. It will never be worth it. That is a founder's struggle and journey. You need to do that hard work yourself. You need to get off the ground. You need to get, get to that first 100K on your own. Hey everyone, this is Nazar Akil from Max Pro. Hi, I'm Linda. And I'm Paul. And we're Love and Pebbles. Hi, this is Lopa Vandermersch from Rasa. Oh, you're listening. And you're listening. And you are listening to the E-Harm Show. Welcome to the Ecom Show, presented by Blue Tusker, the number one place to hear the inside scoop from other e-commerce experts, where they share their secrets on how they scaled their business and are now living the dream. Now, here is your host, Andrew Math. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Ecom Show. I'm your host, Andrew Math, and today I am joined by the amazing Chase Clymer, who is the co-founder of Electric Eye and also a podcast host himself of Honest E-Commerce. Chase, how are you doing? You ready for a good show? I'm ready. Let's do it. Let's do this. So I love always having other podcast hosts on the show because it's the banter is always so much fun. So, but why don't we let you kind of intro yourself? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Obviously, Electric Guy, your podcast, and we'll kind of kick it off from there, okay? Absolutely. Uh, my name's Chase Clymer. I'm a terrible golfer. I'm a nerd. I like playing Magic the Gathering. And I'm also the host of Honest E-Commerce, which is probably uh, the only way that any listener might have heard of me. Uh, <laughs> it's a fantastic show. We interview mostly we interview brand founders that kind of have some cool going on, tell their story and kind of just like how the heck they did it. Um, we also do a lot of bonus episodes where I interview subject matter experts or vendors in the e-commerce ecosystem. Those are always fun. Um, and then my real job is I'm one of the co-founders of Electric Eye. We're basically a design and optimization agency for e-commerce stores. Uh, we take we just build beautiful Shopify themes that are super performant, optimized for sales, or optimize existing stores. Uh, you know, a lot of people like to call it CRO, um, and those are the two things we're really good at over there. Beautiful. Obviously, really appreciate having you on the show. You run your podcast very similar to ours because we do the exact same thing. Typically, we're uh, interviewing other merchants or other brands, seeing what's going on with them. And every now and then, we like to have other people like yourself on the show, which is fantastic. What Absolutely. is some of the craziest stuff you've had on your show? What's like you got a you got a few good episodes where you're like oh man that was a good one. Well, what is it? Today is Wednesday. Yesterday we released the episode I did with Smile Direct Club, so that one was pretty pretty notable. Oh, there you that might have been our. That is probably up there as one of our biggest uh, guests. Um, I believe I'm trying to think. I mean, there's some like cool people that I've interviewed that I I just like because I'm a nerd. I liked. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> but yeah, that one that one's pretty noticeable. I got a few in the can. So here's the thing. I'm like really ahead of the game when it comes to these recordings. So I have six months in the can, which is uh, 30 episodes almost. Yeah. And I don't know if some of these are out yet. So I can't unless <laughs> I pull it up. I don't want to like spill the beans. Wow. So you get you get way ahead. Usually we're only about a month or two ahead. You're you're six months out. I with the recordings, not with the editing. Um, yeah. But I did that on purpose uh, just because Q, Q3 and Q4 are just insane for e-commerce. So like yeah. that's like a lot of get stuff done for our clients. Um, and I'm, I used to do a lot of outreach to get guests and now, uh, I've evolved and now I'm on all these awesome PR lists and people come to me. So it's a lot yeah. easier. Hence, hence why you're here, right? Exactly. <laughs> Shameless plug. So, uh, so what made you start? Well, what came first, the podcast or electric guy? The agency. Absolutely. Uh, we started the agency, I want to say 2016, maybe, mm -hmm. uh, it, it was honestly just like, we needed a name because, uh, taxes straight up. 
Um, it was me and my partner, Sean. <laughs> and then we kind of started to take stuff seriously two years later, maybe. Um, we kind of read traction. We read profit first. We started to learn about EOS and uh, actually running a real business. We made our first key hire, uh, Andrew. And Andrew was like, Hey, Chase, you're like talking. Uh, but I noticed you don't have the focus to actually write blogs. And I was like, you are correct. Uh, <laughs> so this, there's this new thing called podcasting. We thought we'd give it a try. And uh, it, it was a very, very, very good idea. Nice. So Electric Eye, obviously you're catering kind of to... It's a sh- primarily Shopify or solely Shopify? Um, oh, our sh- like Electric Eye, like as far as our services mm-hmm. go, we only work with uh, Shopify stores like the only reason we'll touch other stores is if like we're migrating them off another platform yeah. if shopify is going to solve kind of their use case so um but yeah it, it, they're like our our design team is like strictly shopify all of our uh e-commerce our, our development team is all shopify all of our e-commerce design is like strictly like uh e-commerce ux um you know we, we definitely try to stay just in our lane yeah and solely website design you're not venturing into like paid advertising or social media or anything along those lines um in the past we had uh so we uh kind of did an 80 20 look at ourselves this last year uh saw that a lot of our business was coming from the optimization stuff and these website builds um and you know then we had to talk with our team i called some competitors i used air quotes for those listening (laughs) <laughs> uh, and got uh, a really smart guy on our team a job at a competitor. And we sunset all of our marketing offerings and went all in on optimizations and you know building beautiful themes. Well, it was really nice. So you actually reached out to your competitors and helped people find jobs that obviously if you were more or less, I don't want to say downsizing, but kind of pivoting a little bit. Yeah, you I, were able I, to help I them DM'd out. them on, and I said, hey, I, uh, I, I know you... I didn't say I know you know who I am, but I was like, I know you'll respond is kind of what I knew. And yeah. I was like, you have to hire this guy. He's fantastic. Like, and I just explained to him exactly what we were doing. And I was like, give him an interview, please. Yeah. And he hired so, him. So I was very happy. <laughs> there you go. So what makes, you know, Electric Eye like the place to go to for Shopify design development? Uh, we respond to our clients. That's like the number one feedback <laughs> we get from our clients <laughs> is that like we, uh, we have a really good response time and we actually care like getting a hold of your you know whoever your point of contact at the agency seems to be the biggest pain point with a lot of these really when you're spending thousands of dollars a month uh with some of these relationships like you know someone should get back to you our like internal we we try to respond within like a business day like that's what we say up front but like we're trying to respond within like an hour or two just and even if it's just like hey we saw your thing like that's enough to be said yeah, that's very interesting that that is the case and that like no one's being responsive. What? Uh, so, I mean, it also helps yeah. that we're really good at what we do. <laughs> well, obviously, right. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. Uh, you'd be solely doing the podcast. So obviously, you know, that's a relatively crowded space, right? Like website design development. God knows how many agencies are out there. I have one. So here's one right here. Like that to be solely focused on the design development side, how many websites and complete overhauls have you guys pretty much done since I think you said 2016? Oh man, 2016, I hundreds of sites we've touched. I, uh, but like, I remember, uh, when Mike joined our team, he's our, uh, lead developer. Uh, he joined the team two or three years ago, right before the pandemic. 
And he was like, uh, just looking back and it was 66 GitHub repos that he had integrated with by the end of the year. Cause he started wow. January one and he was like, that is insane to me. And I always think back at that. And so that, that, that may be an answer. So that, that was just in one year, but like that isn't full website builds, right? Some of that's like yeah. fixing stuff and all sorts of weird things. But you know, uh, we're definitely, that makes us sound like a little bit of a, a larger or like more of a churn and burn agency, which isn't necessarily true these days. It's definitely more of a long-term partnership. We're working with, bigger brands and like kind of focusing on their conversion rate and their average order value. And like, how do we make these things better? To say what's, what is the ongoing changes that you guys are consistently making? Like obviously doing a complete website overhaul and all that stuff makes a lot of sense. But then after that's been completed, are you leveraging like some kind of like heat map process and just tracking that and adjusting stuff? Like what is the ongoing changes look like? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, not everybody that come that reaches out to an agency or to consult, like everyone that reaches out to you, they're just like, we're doing things. We want to do it better. That's if you just keep like peeling it back, that's the exact request you get from everybody that wants to work with an agency. It's like, you're an expert. You should, you should be able to help us. Yeah. Uh, but not everyone has the budget or uh, is at a place where they really need to do a whole website build. Sometimes that is the case. It's like, this is, a you know, if we were going to talk about conversion rate optimization, step one, build a better mousetrap. This is a bad place to start. Um, but sometimes, you know, they have an okay mousetrap and you're just going to hop in there. And then, yes, you hit the nail on the head. Heat maps, analytics, customer interviews. We're getting into the data. We're using our brains. We're being smart. Like there's the whole thing of we're experts. You know, that's the heuristic elements of CRO. Of just like this is against best practices. I don't even have to test this. I just know that this is wrong. Um, but then it's like, there is this weird thing where it's like, you know, it is, it's a working relationship and there is kind of money transacting here and sometimes you're recommending things that are above their budget allocation so if it's just like ah we're the experts and you need to build a better bundling solution that's custom because that's what is gonna help do the goals we both want and to them it just sounds like we want more money to do this thing you know we don't like to approach it that way we like to do it a sneaky way which is not sneaky it's like we're gonna find your customers failing to use the -the out-of-the-box bundling solution or you know, reviews that said it was hard to order this bundle or people like a, 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 a hot jar recording where someone is just fumbling with the interface mm-hmm. or a customer interview where they're just like, I didn't, I almost didn't buy because, or actually you even get people abandoning cars that will leave things like I didn't buy because this doesn't, this isn't user friendly. Right. So you go, you come at them with this qualitative and quantitative data of their customers showing and highlighting problems with the website and then we go cool let's fix this and you hypothesize on like how to solve that problem that's fun stuff so so you're you're letting the customers do the selling for you which is smart and that makes yeah. the most sense yeah so what, a lot uh, of our a lot of our engagements is like it's strategy driven and it's then we're we're coming up with all these ideas and together with the customer we're prioritizing that priority list of what it, what do we think is going to pull the lever that we want to work on right now or what's the most important um and then you know while we're doing that stuff, there's always just crap going on that needs to get updated. They're adding a new yeah. product. They need to work on this product page or something broke or there's a new update to some the app in the ecosystem that needs to be you know messed with. So um, definitely kind of just an extension of the other team from like a strategic optimization and development kind of point of view. Do you get pushback from any sellers regarding uh, doing interviews for customers or have you do you typically implement some kind of survey 
aspect to the post purchase or anything along those lines to actually well, get that you ask in. it like when's the last time someone did customer interviews and then they they go never and you go okay well we have to do that and then you have to just educate them why yeah. uh if there's a pushback it's just it's people are quirky and you have to just tell them the goals with it and why yeah it's, at the end of the day it's to make your website better to make people buy stuff more what do you find is one of the like main things that's constantly just wrong with some of these sites yeah, i mean it's like there there is always something wrong because they're too close to the website like they don't yeah. interact with it on their phone they're always on desktop they're always in the back end they're not actually using the website as if they were a customer using it for the first time actually when people reach out to us uh through our contact form at electriceye.io uh, you, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I immediately go to their website and I like start recording my screen cause it's my first interaction with it. And it's literally those first things you'll notice like goofy stuff. And I like try to talk out loud and like catch things that are weird to me from my first interaction, because the second time you're already used to whatever it was and it may be not even registered. And by the hundredth time as a store owner or marketing manager or whatever, you're so used to how the website works. It's always worked that way. You think that it's it makes sense, uh, but to like the new customer, it doesn't. It makes no sense, and they're confused, yeah. and that's why your conversion rate's low. Hmm. That makes a lot of sense. How? What's your stance on like uh, overabundance of features? Like, I know some sites. Uh, I use. I always use like Fanatics as an example when you go to their site, and it's like they have the banner of this is on sale, but only for a short time. And there's a countdown and then there's a pop up here. And then you have a bundle option. Then you have a subscription option. Then you have like six different ways you can pay. Like at what point do you sit down and tell a seller, like you're offering too much options? I mean, here's the thing. It like all of that and everything I just said, all of it, it needs to be split tested, right? Like that's the real answer at the end of the day. Uh, But you are saying a truth, Andrew, which is like, you present too many options, it gets confusing and you're going to give your customers analysis paralysis. So you do want it to be streamlined. You never want to put friction in the buying journey and you want it to just kind of like make sense and have them do what you want them to do. And a lot of the merchants like, you know, comparing fanatics to a $3 million a year boutique beauty brand is apples to oranges. They are at completely different stages of growth, completely different stages of traffic. First of all, um, so it's a little hard to kind of understand what is going to be the best for the customer. Now, like the abundance of features is you're going to throw me down the rabbit, the rabbit hole tangent of like, there's an app for that, which is what the Shopify ecosystem teaches us. Right. Yeah. Um, but everyone will install and uninstall all these apps to try to find something to solve the problem they want. And then they don't find it. And then they finally hire someone to, to build the thing they want. Right. Mm-hmm. But all those that dozen apps you just installed, all of them insta- installed code into your theme, JavaScript into your theme. Your load time is now way lower. It's got 12 more things it's loading that it isn't using. And you've created a spaghetti mess of code that a developer has to, to wade through to fix stuff, right? And that's just one time. Like if you're talking about a theme that you've had for two years, there's so much gabdaluk in there that a developer, you know, a team doesn't really want to like, it's more work to fix that than it is to start over at times. And that's just yeah. the truth. And you know, it's, it's, you've been in this game a long time too. It's like, sometimes you have to be the first person to tell someone that what they have is terrible and they need to start over. They're Mm -hmm. not going to hire you, but you just made it easier for the next person to tell them the exact same thing. Yeah. (laughs) And they should thank us for it. That's too common to tell them like, this is horrible. Please don't make me work with this. (laughs) What, um, 
Oh, I just lost my train of thought. I knew I, was, I had something I wanted to ask you. Oh, you'd mentioned, obviously, you use the boutique uh, as an example from Fanatics. What, what is like the ideal client that you guys work with at Electric Eye? Yeah. Um, unfortunately, we don't really work with startups per se anymore. Now, when I say startups, I'm talking about like zero to $1 million a year. Like you are still trying to find product market fit. And I, this is a, like a take that I'll take to my grave. Here's my stance. No agency, no freelancer, no consultant will help you find product market fit. It will never be worth it. Uh, that is a founder's struggle and journey. You need to do that hard work yourself. You need to get kind of from you need to get off the ground. You need to get, get to that first hundred K on your own. Like you can't outsource creating a business because someone would just do it for themselves and cut you out. Like why would why would they do that? Just think about it a little bit larger. Like that it's a dumb consideration. Like you have to go do that work. Um now where we come in is we are looking at the data, right? We're like we need customers, we need sales, we need stuff to make informed decisions. Um, and we kind of just drew a line at the sand at like a million dollars a year. So that's kind of where things start with us. But, um, you know, a couple million up to like 10, 15, like at that point, people are starting to bring a lot of what we do in house. Um, Mm -hmm. and we still work with some larger brands. Don't get me wrong. Um, but just kind of where things are in the market, uh, our job is usually not outsourced anymore when brands start to get into that, you know, eight figures and beyond. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And you're not sticking to any specific like category, right? It's just you're kind of looking in that million to 10 million range. Well, uh, I guess I can get a little more finite on the verticals. Like we're extremely good at fashion, apparel, accessories and like beauty. I already spoke on earlier jewelry, like uh, the more kind of lifestyle lean more towards a luxury with a healthy margin product versus like... uh, you know, not the best fit for like, say, a fast fashion or like a commoditized, uh, you know, bodega of the internet, you know, a marketplace, not really a good fit. Um, that's kind of a very long answer to your question. Yeah. Do you, do you find that like sellers with larger product lines are typically the ones that require more optimizations because of all the difficulties around navigation and all that fun stuff? Or are you seeing basically equal issues with someone who's got like a handful of products? You know what? Uh, if it's like a larger product line, but it's like you know they're manufacturing it or sourcing or building it themselves, like uh, not really, because you just gotta you approach it the same way you want to approach everything with like an eighty twenty rule. So like, what's yeah. the thing that's really gonna move the needle here? It's like, all right, well these are the three flagship products. We're gonna focus on these for the first time because that's where all the wins are gonna be. Um, you know, they just kind of have different uh, paths to success. Like if you've got a really like say you got a single product store, like you're like, okay, like the funnel's real simple here and we can get a little more granular on the customer profiles. Whereas, you know, if you've got a lot of different offerings that are solving for different people, uh, you're like, all right, well, which one's going to be most impactful? Yeah. Hmm. Where do you see sites going as time goes on? Actually, let me caveat that. So I got a theory. Stay with me. So, uh, I've done this for years where I was a big fan of underneath the buy now button, typically on your product page, adding some kind of like available on Amazon, available on Walmart, et cetera, typically for in the same general area of of where you're at, right? Like someone who's kind of doing like the one to 5 million, maybe solely on Amazon. And now we're kind of venturing off. Well, actually that actually does bring up another question. So you said your, your ideal audience tends to be in like the one to 10 million area. Is that solely on their Shopify site? Are you including if they're doing on Amazon or or Walmart or anywhere else? 
That's a great question. I guess I would include it kind of, uh, you know, because that, that, that helps to prove there's product market fit and, and yeah. there's, you know, opportunity for them to invest some of that profit in scaling stuff. Um, we, again, we only are touching the Shopify store, the direct consumer experience yeah. there. Uh, so all of our advice is more about that, that uh, owned experience. Um, but uh, going back to your question about like adding the Amazon kind of CTA under the call to action. I know a lot about that that I literally cannot speak about. <laughs> so because Amazon actually about uh, it was like a month, maybe two months ago, they released the buy with prime button now where it's essentially a JavaScript code that you add to the site and it links over to the listing. And I'm kind of starting to realize like, you know, you think about the Chewies of the world or the Wayfairs where they're starting to break out categories of products and basically building marketplaces that cater to certain types of you know product lines. And I'm curious if your thought is similar to mine, whereas I have a feeling that as time goes on, we're going to see a bunch of different marketplaces or similar types of other websites where uh, people can go shop multiple types of products. And the websites are almost going to become like a showcase of the brand. And then it's going to list like, yeah, you can buy on the site. Obviously, you want to put all the bells and whistles on the site to try to get them to convert because you want to keep the customer. But are we going to start giving them the option to go shop wherever they're most comfortable if they have a prime account or if they like Walmart or eBay or however, whatever they choose to go to? Do you, what's your theory on how sites will kind of migrate as time goes on? I think that's just kind of an evolution of what a popular strategy is for mature brands, which is the omni-channel strategy. I just think yeah. that's a kind of like a potentially a ne- next step, a next evolution of what that might become. And it, I just a very easy response is like, just sell your customers the products where they are. You know what I mean? If your customer is on Amazon and you're not on Amazon, you're leaving money on the table. But I will say that... Uh, as a branded product and lifestyle brands and the stuff that we work with, I, you know, I, I think that uh, you have to try really hard to stand out with, say, a t-shirt brand on Amazon because you're competing against... The barrier of entry there is super low. Yeah. Uh, and you're winning loyalty based upon your story and branding, which is hard to deliver that experience on uh, this, a very controlled uh, site, you know, product page like Amazon or etc. Uh, whereas you can really invest in that kind of telling that story on an experience where you have full control, like a Shopify store. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Sen. I appreciate that. Chase, thank you so much for being on the show. I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Uh, Andrew, I had a blast. Like I said yeah. uh, in the pre-recording, I love being on this side of the mic and just rambling and not having to think. <laughs> Changing it up a little bit. Absolutely. Uh, so then you know this next step where I say, hey, do you mind letting everyone know where they can find out more about you, more about Electric Eye, and of course, Honesty Commerce. Absolutely. Uh, if you enjoy listening to my opinion on e-commerce, I share it weekly. Uh, but mostly, I'm interviewing people, and I do a pretty good job at it. I think we just crossed 100,000 downloads last week. Um, go Congrats. check out Honesty Commerce. You can find it anywhere podcasts are. We're also on YouTube. We film them. Um, and then, if you think that you might be a good fit for the agency, or just want to pick my brain about what's going on there, uh, you can find us at electriceye.io. Beautiful. Chase, thank you so much for being on the show. Everyone who tuned in, obviously, thank you as well. Please do the usual rate, review, subscribe, all that fun stuff on whichever podcast platform you want or YouTube or head over to ecomshow.com. But as usual, thank you all again, and we'll see you next time. Have a good one. 
you for tuning in to the Ecom Show. Head over to ecomshow.com to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform or on the Blue Tusker YouTube channel. The Ecom Show is brought to you by Blue Tusker, a full-service digital marketing company specifically for e-commerce sellers looking to accelerate their growth. Go to bluetusker.com now for more information. Make sure to tune in next week for another amazing episode of the Ecom Show. Thank you.